Hello and welcome to this episode of Soundtrack of Your Life. If you've not seen or heard the show before, this is the show where you get to share songs, soundtracks, theme tunes, music in your life that are stories that are interspersed with people, moments, events that have happened in your life. Because I believe that everybody's got stories to tell when it comes to music interspersed with those key special moments that whenever we hear the song today, we instantly think back to that story or that person or that moment. My guest on this week's show is the brilliant Joey Costa. She's an applied energetic philosopher. And as usual, the show went into many different threads, but Joey is a great storyteller that will keep you enwrapped in what she's got to say. And I won't give it away now, a nice couple of surprises along the way. So without further ado, hope you enjoy the show. afternoon evening night wherever you may be in the world welcome to this edition of soundtrack of your life if you're not heard the, sh the show before this is the show where i get guests on the show to talk about the stories events emotions etc in their life that link to songs soundtracks theme tunes whatever they may be because i believe we've all got stories to tell when it comes to music in our lives my guest on this week's show is the great joey costa Joey, if you'd just like to say hello and introduce yourself. Hello, my name is Joey Costa. I am... Um, I'm me. <laughs> <laughs> you are indeed. I don't, I don't know. I, I, I'm a lot of... I'm a lot of things and a little person, uh, but mostly I am the creator of an applied energetic philosophy called Presence Manifest, and I am also a lyricist awesome i think why not why don't we actually that's, start with that where did your <laughs> where did your um love of lyrics or ability or inspiration stem from oh my goodness <laughs> so i've been writing songs probably since i was like in third grade okay. and i i've always been awkward <laughs> and and as soon as I discovered that I could translate what was in my head into these, this, into this poetry or into this, this shareable uh, form, it became my predominant way of, of actually sharing my feelings. Um, so I had a tendency to you know, hyper-focus and just fixate on the one or two things that I really liked, you know, in conversation. So I was never really a great conversationalist as a kid. Um, and, and songwriting was the way that I connected with people in general. Like I would bring my poems to school in third grade or fourth grade and I'd share them. And it was, it was around sort of the birth of what would now be old school hip hop, <laughs> but it was, it was beginning then. And so I would, I would bring in these rhymes and, and it was really the, the one solid way that I could connect to people uh, in my class. Because other than that, I was completely socially, conversationally lost, like just okay. lost. <laughs> so it was, it was a lifesaver for me reading that I could put things in rhyme and meter and and somehow I would I would be able to connect with my classmates or my peers on on a level. Wow. That was unknown before I began making it, you know, <laughs> before I began making rhymes. I I just felt really um like included but completely alienated. Right, right as a kid okay. so so do, do you remember like what some of your early pieces were about i mean you mentioned that you know you seem to hone in on certain aspects of a conversation 
and you know it, it gave you a sense of connection to others while also retaining that sense of individuality yourself but like um do you remember what your early examples were about when you started to share it with people yeah um actually i almost got kicked out of school because i went to catholic <laughs> school all right and, okay <laughs> and i was and i grew up in the bronx right so i was writing about all the things that i was seeing you know like okay. um my friends my friends were 13 12 13 years old you know people were already getting pregnant getting beat up getting shot getting into fist fights over guys and chains and i mean it was it, it was the bronx in in the early 80s so i i was really just writing what i was seeing and what i couldn't re i i couldn't personally relate to I really always felt like I was an observer in my reality. Like I was just kind of out there like this is this is the world but I'm separate from it. So I was I was always writing as like this is what's going down and I was even then putting little I don't know like 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 little presents or Buddhist type teachings or something like in my thing okay. it was like you know you don't have to you don't have to go with that guy and end up pregnant and, you know, beat up by your friends. Like, like you could go sit under a tree and <laughs> talk to a bird. Like, I mean, I was, I was really just trying to make a connection with the world, like my world and the world that I was living in. And so they always had these good morals at the end. Like they always came together about like, you know, like, I'm sorry you had to leave me, but I'm sure we'll find the person you love someday or, uh, you know, okay. don't get shot, don't get pregnant, <laughs> you know, like, don't be a racist. <laughs> but clear there was like cuss words in there. And I remember that my mom got called in one day because I was standing on like a lunch table and I was talking about teen pregnancy in like Catholic school in fifth grade or sixth grade or something like that. And and my mom got called in because I was writing profanity and um, and it was like I was ad not addicted to it, but I was I was excited about it because I was doing something that other people could relate to and enjoyed and and I really felt connected. So I wasn't backing down like I was just sitting in the principal's office like, no, there's a moral in this. And like, I'm actually teaching what you're saying to do in the Bible. And like, but I'm putting it in my language because I'm a fifth grader in the Bronx, yo. You know, like. Damn right. Damn right, right? The nuns just wanted to, the nuns just wanted to get me in trouble for cussing. And my mom came in and she read it. And she, and she was just like, go back to class. Like, she looked at the principal and she was like, she looked at me and she goes, go back to class. I'll take care of this. Nice. <laughs> Mom's on your side here. I've got this. You carry on. I've got this. Nice. And then, yeah, she's like, I got it. And then, uh, I, and that was it. Like, I never heard anything from my principal again. Nothing. I went back to class. There was, there was no nothing. You know, years later, I was like, what did you say to her? Yeah. You know, and she was just, she was like, well, I explained to her, like, all the problems she could have. And that you weren't you weren't one of them. <laughs> I was like, yeah, all right, <laughs> like that's cool, you know. But I think that little validation was really key. Like, and and it was like the first time I think I stood up for my words. Like I was like, no, I wrote something with meaning, and and you're telling me it's bad, and it's not, you know. So it was a really pivotal a pivotal moment that I really didn't even think about until you just asked me. Um, but yeah. Awesome. <laughs> like, so when, when you were, it started, I started young. <laughs> no, that's, that's, that's what I, I think personally speaking, like we all started young from any experience that we've got right now. We might not have consciously realized at that point, like you, you were quick to manifest that in uh, writing, in connecting, in writing what's true to you, absorbing what you want. Really, Elena, mm. I had something similar. I, I wasn't, you know, a poet laureate at school by any means, but when it came to things like creative writing and uh, poetry writing and that kind of thing, I just had a natural 
um, affiliation with it. You know, ideas came fairly readily to me. Um, you know, if the teacher would say, oh, you know, look to write about, I don't know, a three, four page story, I'd be the nerd that would like write 40 pages. And people are like, what are you doing? And they're like, well, look, the story went on and on. And you know, my teachers were like, okay, well, <laughs> that's how you want to write, you want to write. And, but for a lot of people, I think, you know, they, they tapped into that enjoyment when they were younger, whether it's uh, music or writing or art or whatever. And then life gets in the way, life develops, and then you, you sort of lose that connection. So um, I'm curious, when you were writing, did you take on any um, style or artist yeah. or um, um, band or anyone to, to incorporate into your writing, thinking, oh, yeah, I want to write like so-and-so or um, have a set of lyrics like so-and-so? Well, I guess my my earliest influencers were you know the the mainstream well not mainstream i mean it was like our local radio right but i had just okay. like l o cool j and Sean pepper and run d n c and um Dr. Jekyll and Mr. Hyde and <laughs> i mean i would sit up like i mean i was I would sit up at Friday night and just wait, you know, for like the fat boys, <laughs> you know, like anyone, you know, Slick Rick, you know, all of them. I was just, you know, but also the morals and the ethics in my own writing and my own hip hop came from where, where my mom's influence was, <laughs> which was more of like an outlaw country type. Okay. Uh, like, I don't know. I was I was raised with like Charlie Daniels in the house and um, Kentucky Headhunters and um, I had this like really my mom. I always call her like the urban cowboy. Like she she was this little Irish woman from the Bronx. And in the house, we only ever listened to country music and and maybe some Helen Reddy or Linda Ronstadt or some more like empowering type. A woman of, of the 70s type music so my influence outside musically and writing was you know hip-hop and and just that basic you know four kind of beastie boys you know kind of feeling um but my understanding from the music that I grew up with was like you know, you have to sacrifice and you have to stand by your man and stand by mm -hmm. your woman and work hard and, <laughs> you know, pull up your bootstraps. And so, so there was always like, there was always that in the background, even Randy Travis, lots of Randy Travis and Dolly Parton and the Judds and just, it was, it was such a mishmash. And my father listened to ACDC and Metallica and- nice the who and cream and yes. And so, and I was going back and forth between their houses and, and I was from the Bronx and my cousins were from Jersey. So they were listening to like poison and Bon Jovi and white snake. And <laughs> so I was literally bounced around from I was like gonna say, quite the eclectic musical genre. Got going on there. Musical genre. And I was a hundred percent, just fascinated by by storytelling in all of them like i mean i could just what what whoever i was with wherever i was wherever i was i was listening to what was on and i was i was like yeah it was it was probably 50 percent of my experience of wherever i was it, it always had a soundtrack right and i would i could think back to different times and go okay yeah jersey you know, Jersey was MTV and Bon Jovi, you know, New York was salt and pepper and, and freestyle and crush groove. And, you know, my mom is country and my father is metal. And, you know, my first boyfriend from high school that ever listened to rock made me a mixtape. And that was completely, I had never heard anything like Tom Sawyer, right? Like I played Tom Sawyer over probably a thousand times on tape because I was like, <laughs> do you remember what was on what the next is. tape you know what what was on it um it was i think jethro tall okay and 
Um, oh, who, I, you know, I'm really bad with, with band names um, and such. I just know it was a sound I hadn't heard. And okay. I was like, what? Oh, Motley Crue. Motley Crue right. was on there. Like, it was... <laughs> It was a very like eclectic thing. There was uh, maybe even some Guns N' Roses was on there. Um, yeah, like it was just it was like all his favorite songs, and I was like, "What is this? I don't even know what this is." Because none of that was in my neighborhood. That was no. for sure. Like I was, I had no idea what. Did you? What did you that ever was. Find, Did you ever find out from him why they were his favorites? Why he picked those particular tracks? I mean, half it might be to impress you, but I don't know if he shared any other reason um, for his choices. This is going to sound absolutely awful, but <laughs> okay, here we go. This is the bit I have to clip for the advert when I promote this. So okay, here we go. I know it says like honestly. I think he was trying to. This is good. I, I don't know any other way to put this, but I think he was trying to like educate me as a right. as a small or not a small as a oh, how do I say this? He was trying to make me more white. I think. I see. So okay. So. Like in my neighborhood, I was, you know, I, I was raised in a, in a, in a pretty mixed eclectic neighborhood, but even in my high school, there was like a segregation. There was like, there was like, like the white kid from this other side of the, the neighborhood. Right. And then there was like my neighborhood. Right. <laughs> and and he was on the other side. And I think he was feeding me music. Like, he was trying to feed me music to be like, hey, look, like, I'm going to educate you in how to be, like, like a white teenager, basically, right? And because I think you're a little bit too hood. And Brilliant. it was very, like, Pygmalion. It was very Pygmalion. And I think he just picked songs that were, like, the top song or the most popular song of a whole slew of like what he thought white people should be listening to right okay <laughs> like i know and it what, sounds awful but like no in no, no it's, it, it's actually this is exactly what this is why these songs these songs are important to him i think well no but i'm interested in that that you know he the, the reason was that as you said you're in separate neighborhoods and i guess he's got that link formed in himself that like like these kind of songs are what people like us should listen to and he needs that kind of affirmation the validation from someone else they're like Look, i like this you seem similar to me you know the very basis of like skin color what have you you should listen to this so i'm like mm -hmm. okay i'm wondering then what is the messaging in those kind of songs that would make someone sense that um and indeed what do you think of them now if you consider what they are now I just think they were, if I think back and I try to remember dancing and listening to them, because remember, we didn't have anything to look up, right? So no, the song, true, I yeah. could be like, oh, 28 no other no songs. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Roses, right? <laughs> it was like, this is what I had, right? I had like one tape. Of, I had one tape, you know, and I didn't even have MTV in my house. Like cable was not a thing, right? Like uh -huh. I had to go to Jersey to watch MTV at my cousin's house. <laughs> so music hadn't really crossed borders yet really you know mm. as like 80 82 to 89 you pretty much listened to what was from your area and what you could glean off the radio or what somebody physically shared with you right there was no just yep. going down rabbit holes like we can today and but when i think about it and i think about all the music i've listened to in my life since then it really just felt like a greatest hits of, of just, just rock, a little bit of like, like hair rock and a little bit of like kind of classic, you know, Jethro Tull and stuff like that. So, but in knowing the relationship I had with this person, <laughs> It was a hundred percent 
not even to connect with me. It was to change me so that I would be viable to date without getting crap from his friends. Like it was straight up. He was trying to, he was trying to educate me in a way that would make me kind of acceptable to like that whole group of people. Right. Because when, he really had fun with and was like attracted to was the fact that I was like none of them and that I was continually pumping out poetry and rhymes that had this like weird mixture of like life and morals and reality and, and, and whatnot. Yeah. Like he loved my poetry, but he would get shit for dating me if he was dating somebody who was dressing like my neighborhood, talking like my neighborhood, listening to the music that my neighborhood was listening to. He wanted me to be more like his neighborhood, so I would be more of an acceptable partner, right? So, so, okay, so he's trying... And also so he could, like, sort of... No, go on, carry on. Yeah, like, save me and bring me up to some sort of level that he had in his head, right? Like, it it was a very interesting relationship. It went on for two years, and there was way more than music. I mean, it was my speech... It was how I dressed. I mean, by the time we broke up, I was completely unrecognizable to anyone in my neighborhood. Wow. So did, could, could like, you feel that happening? Could you feel that happening at the time that you could twig that? Like, okay, I'm kind of uh, getting that message that um, it's not necessarily acceptable who I am or um, he wants me to be in a certain mold to fit in his world, you know, uh, network sphere of influence or whatever because they say it sounds like the music was a part of it because it included other things like you know the way you dress the way you uh, speak all this kind of thing so it's interesting that he's using music as a medium to go uh-huh. okay it's not necessarily about what the song might mean to me or to you it's that we are a certain classification gentrification and therefore we should listen to this very interesting take yeah yeah it was crazy and and for a long time i think it's why i mostly stuck with with hip-hop freestyle and country because i kind of associated like rock music or or even hair band music or any of that stuff i kind of associated that with somebody trying to change me and somebody trying to make me into something that i wasn't um and so that became sort of a it wasn't a very liberating like you would think rock and roll or rock in general is like the more liberating right and it just felt it wasn't for me because i was just like 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 i don't this is like this is this new world that i don't understand and i'm supposed to understand and i'm supposed Mm. to like but it doesn't have like it doesn't have like sort of the drop and the and the and the thing that I that I needed until you know that that little like uh, Run DMC Aerosmith thing. Yeah, happened. yeah, yeah, yeah. The, the, <laughs> yeah, the the the, the collaborations, then, the, the mismatches, two, and the my two worlds collided. Exactly. Well, that was that's I think was the beauty back in those days, right? You know, you mentioned Run DMC and Aerosmith. You had uh, Queen and David Bowie, for example. You had all sorts of these collaborations where you wouldn't think, how did they go together? But they did. You know, it was an artistic expression that all of a sudden people that weren't into that genre click into it because they say it's it's half um um the band that they like with another band so it's like okay they've come together and created something but it's interesting that you noted that like first of all you you identified that rock wasn't that kind of first of all was that kind of music that was used as a means to change you which didn't resonate with you in the first place but then also stylistically you know you mentioned doesn't have necessarily the drop or the beat or that kind of thing and you know that that's something i've seen too in you know my uh you know previous years where i've probably been a bit of a music snob and probably still am where like you know when i first found rock and roll which is you know predominantly my um choice or style of music it's like right how many other people get what i get so it's like trying to search those kindred spirits that get what i get so first of all it was like right the people around uh-huh. me were predominantly into R&B, hip-hop, um, Bollywood music a bit. Um, and this was like probably formative years, so what, the uh, late 90s, early 2000s? So every time I try and find someone mm-hmm. that's like 
getting rock and roll or likes rock and roll. It was like, they were very hard to find. And all of a sudden it was like, why the hell can't I find anybody? I'm playing these songs and people are going, oh, it's too loud or the guitars are too loud or I can't make any sense. And it's like, <laughs> and you get annoyed and then it'd be a, a, a slang match going, well, your music's just like, I don't get it. It's just like, you know, then you, then you just go back and forth about that kind of thing. And as I've gone on, it's like, do you know what? This this partly fuels why I've created the series. It's like people have these stories and ideas about whatever music they're into. And yeah, look, it doesn't mean now you have to like every piece of music out there. That's not necessarily the case. But it's like when you said that, like, you know, mm -hmm. when rock was used as a, and that kind of coercing manner, and even then, musically, it didn't necessarily click with you. I'm like, that's a really cool point that people, you know, may have just had that link. Because... I hear a lot of days people just go, oh, what, that's too loud, isn't it? It's like, yeah, but, but for a start, it's kind of meant to be loud, stylistically, but um, mm -hmm. it's so um, right. multi-layered and, and, and all this kind of thing. And, you know, um, so, you know, one of the drivers on my show is talking about the links from songs to emotions. So I was wondering if you could share, like, a couple of examples of uh, emotions to stories or moments or people in your life, whatever they may be. Well, there's always music involved. So every moment of my life has one of those, I think. Um, nice. And I did eventually love, love, you know, every, almost every genre of music. So I got over that, that aversion to, um, to rock. And I did, I did, honestly, I really loved like, um, I just want to say I, I love rock and roll. <laughs> like, I love rock. But, um, I mean, it's just so interwoven. I can't even, I mean, I went to, there was, let me try to think of something that's like really, okay, here's a good one. So I was always writing about love, right? Okay. So, so even at 13, I was writing these like deep, like, oh, you were my everything. And now you like basically changed baseball teams. And, you know, <laughs> I'm never going to see you again. because You play in a different neighborhood. You know what I mean? Like, I mean, literally, like I was so I was I really was at some point in my life, which I, what I which I am sort of trying to get back at some point in my life, I was extremely romantic. And okay. and I really believe the stories and the songs. Right. And I really because they are somebody's stories and they are true, right? Like when you, when you think about it, it's like those love songs that people wrote, they are those people's stories. And maybe some of them are actualized and maybe some of them are just fantasy, but either way, like I was so love songs and the, and the more, the more like, Oh, the love song was like the better for me. Like there was this song. Oh, I don't know. I'm so bad with I'm, I, you. I mean, you would, you might have to sing a couple of lines, you know? It's all right. You might have to sing a couple of lines. The one that was like, I'm all cried out over you. It was like, uh, you know. Two points for uh, any all listener. All these tears will burn my <laughs> pillow. <laughs> anyway, it was like this all cried out. I think it was, uh, I, it's called All Cried Out, but I don't okay. know the, the person who sang it. Okay. But it was just like basically like, oh, I'm just all crying. Like, you know, like I'm just going to cry all. And I played that. I think I was like 13 or 14 and went through a breakup. I think I I think I think played that song about a thousand times and just cried and just cried on my couch every single time for like for days. My mother wanted to kill me. She was like, oh, my God, I get it. You're all cried out. Can you get all cried out and just stop? You know, because like you, you I was like, <laughs> but so anyway, I went on to write all these love songs all the time. Every time I had a relationship, you know, I was writing about how I felt about them before I got in a relationship. I was writing about, I didn't write as much when I was in them. And then I would write about the breakup. Right. And the, right, so it was right. like the anticipation and the breakup. Not very much about like how it feels to be in a great relationship, probably because I didn't have that many of them. So but just on that, do you think there's a reason it was like, why you didn't do that? Like, why would it I be the aftermath rather than once. in the moment? Yeah, because in the moment, I was not, 
I was not trying to record. I was trying to sort of like, like Enjoy. soak up and I wasn't trying to figure anything out. Right. Like, like I, I usually write to figure something out, right. To right. get my, why do I feel this way? Do I really like this person? You know, or, okay, okay, or okay. like, why was I with that person? Like, what was I thinking? You know, like it was always like, this, like forward looking. And then this thing, it's only really been in recent, in, in recent years that I've actually gained presence. Um, and I write a lot more about the moment and the truth and, and everything else okay. like that. But I remember saying to somebody, because I wrote an un, I wrote lots of favorable songs for people and I would write them love songs and I would send them to them and I would give them, I would sing them at parties that they were at and be like, I wonder if they know, they know it's about them. I mean, like really everything I did was, <laughs> was through my songs. And I, I remember I wrote some unfavorable songs about people starting around like 2000 ish. And I got some slack, you know, from the people. Like, so you, actually you know, sent if them you to go them. out and sing this at the party, they're going to know exactly who you're talking about. Oh. Well, they couldn't help but hear it because if they knew me and they knew where I was and I've always been singing or speaking or rhyming or writing everything that in my life all the time, right? So okay. this one, I just remember this one or several people going, well, I didn't want to break up with you because I knew, I knew if I broke up with you, you were going to just like really turn me into a, into a really like sad song. Right. And I didn't want to like, I didn't want, like, I didn't want to do that. Like, I didn't want to be like, I didn't want to be like your muse of angst or sorrow. Like I'd much rather be your muse of, of love and possibility. And it's like when your words basically turn in the other direction, they're they're like they're really cutting, you know, they're really harsh. I was just saying, maybe you gave and a Taylor I, Swift one. And their I ideas. remember sitting for like a moment. Maybe. <laughs> but I remember thinking for a moment and then not feeling bad about that at all. And what I said was, well then you should have acted different <laughs> because I'm only writing what actually happened. So like, had you not cheated on me, had you not messed with my best friend, had you not done these things, they wouldn't be in a song, right? So, you know, I warned people, pre-warned people after that, like in the mid 2000s, like I take everything from life and I turn it into art. So be careful what you represent because it will be it will show up somewhere, right? So if you want to be seen in your best light, bring your best self. That's a great quote. That's a really <laughs> right? good quote. Yeah. So, yeah. So I guess that was like, so that's why it is really attached to every pivotal moment. Because every pivotal moment I've written about and I've sung about it to somebody. So, so there isn't a pivotal moment in my life that doesn't, that didn't or doesn't have a song attached to it. So do you have the most My recent song, example you know? of where you um, linked that uh, a certain emotion to a song, either one you wrote or one you heard? Um, let's see, the one I was making yesterday, and that's what I do when I'm by myself, is I just jump up and down around the house and like I think of something I've seen or read and then I just start making, making lyrics. But... Um, I, I will share something that I just, actually it's on Clapper. So if this, okay. if anyone sees this, it's actually on Clapper, but one of my more recent rhymes is about truth. Um, but the one I was making yesterday, which ha isn't formed yet, it's, it's kind of jumpy <laughs> and it's about, uh, it's just about being a seed. It's like, it's like, yeah, ask me what I am. I am a seed. Yeah, ask me what I am, I am a seed. And I was just jumping, like really just hyping myself up. Like it was so great. Like I was like, yeah, ask me what I am, I am a seed. You know, like I was just like running around and I was like, and I've been planted in this reality to show you what you can grow through, everything you thought you knew. And I just like started going, just just talking about how the past can can become a hindrance if you if you're trying to grow with like only the knowledge that you've accumulated up to now, you know, and you're not open to, to the sunlight or to the rain and, 
and then it like it morphed into some sort of storm thing i haven't written any of it down but it morphed into some storm thing and then it was like you're holding it got real quiet and it was like you're holding to your past you're holding to your past like a raft in the ocean of emotion but flotation device offers no protection you're at the will of the waves the will of the whales no anchor no compass no oars no sails <laughs> you know like you know and and like I, i'm showing up with a boat and you got a choice like you could you could jump on and find truth or you could just keep clinging to your story and jumping all around you know um it was like super visual and it was like about a whole hour of just all these images and symbolism coming up and that's how they start and then maybe in like two or three weeks it'll be a piece right because like i'll remember a little bit of it and i'll forget most of it and i'll drive and then i'll i'll re i'll redo all the lines i remember and then i'll start filling in the gaps and then like another couple of days go by and the same thing will happen and then eventually it's like the lines that stayed become the thing. So is this all spoken right? word? Um, but so some of it is, uh-huh. and recently I think that's where I've I've kind of went full circle because I discovered independent, like I discovered independent rap online like a few years ago, mm-hmm. <laughs> like independent rural rap, independent Christian rap, independent rap from other countries, independent rap that was mixing all sorts of genres of music. So I've had this sort of renewal of hip hop in my in my system because it was my first love. And for a long time, I, I really just sang I really just sang songs, so I, I will sing a song for you. I'll sing a song for you, and I'll and I'll do a rap for you. But but it's awesome. always the same. Now that I'm looking at it ac- across a lifetime, like that. Now that I'm looking at it across a lifetime, you know, it's it's always the same thing. It always comes back to presence. It always comes back to love. It always comes back to being in the moment. You know, it always comes back to you know sharing sharing all the edges you know, and, and sharing all the, the little details and things, you know, um, expression, freedom, everything music is made to be, you know, it's just like, it's always the, it's always the same. It's like dogs, right? Like I dog sit, I dog sit. And if you look into a dog's eyes, like no matter what dog it is, there's this, 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 this unconditional depth of, it's like a vibration that all dogs have. And I feel like there's a vibration that all music has. Like, it doesn't matter what music it is. Like you could be a two year old banging on a pot, you know, or you could be playing a flute in a mountain, or you could be, you know, I don't know, whistling in a goat's ear, you know, but the vibration, like when you really bring it down to the seed of music, you know, it's creation energy and it's, it's presence. Right. So, of course, I'm 100 percent attached to it, but um, I'll sing something. Um, Brilliant. Take it away. And I've written songs in every genre. So um, I can say, OK, I'll, I'll sing. Oh, do you what do you want? Like, <laughs> I mean, like, I have uh, it's your show, see. whatever you'd like to share. It's like a love song. OK, I'll, I'll do the, I'll do this one because I think this one everybody likes. It's called Anthem anyways, because it's one of those like rah-rah anthem songs, you know? Okay, brilliant. Okay. (laughs) All right. Okay. I mean everything I say, mostly when I say it, cause I reserve the right to change my mind. So when I say, hey, beautiful, I'd like to share some space with you. I mean, right here, right now, not sometime. Cause sometimes, sometimes takes forever. And sometimes, sometimes means I need to decide. And if you're not feeling 
what I'm feeling. Maybe it's better I see you around sometime. Cause right here, right now, you're amazing me. Driving me crazy with those eyes, and I relate to everything you say. And I got butterflies and they're fluttering up and down my thighs to remind me it's not often that I feel this way. And when we kiss, it's like coming home when I've been gone way too long. It makes me want to strip you of your armor naked. And then wrap you in my song. And then it keeps going. Wow. <laughs> that's awesome. That's I mean... like, <laughs> like, that's like the beginning of that one. And it just, it just goes on and it talks about, you know, I mean, like, I, like I, make I, up your mind, right? Like I'm here and I'm going. <laughs> well, I, 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 everyone who that will listen to us will first marvel at it. But then for me, I was uh. going, okay, I can hear um strong guitar chords in the background you know electric guitar um some sort of power beat going on um and the, the, there were various um key changes and structures that i heard throughout there as well so it really tied in with everything apologies by the way if anyone in the last few minutes has heard an ice cream van style sound i've got my window open and every so often, this bloody ice cream van keeps driving by. Just actually, coincidentally, when Joey was going through her uh, spoken word and her singing, I'm like, okay, this is... I don't know whether the ice cream van is trying to mix in the tune or something, but apologies if that's put anyone off. He's buggered <laughs> off now, hopefully. So, uh, But no, Joey, thank you for sharing that. That was really, really powerful. When do, uh, Was that something you wrote recently, you were saying? That was the last piece you're working on? No, that's actually something I wrote in 2000. Oh, okay. And I was, I wrote it, I ran away to San Francisco to <laughs> okay. to follow my heart, or to, to run away from my heart, actually, because that was the song that I wrote before I left for San Francisco, and that's what I was writing about. Like, I was like, look, like, I'm here, and I'm willing to stay, and, like, like everything about you is freaking incredible right now, and, but, like, like you have, like you have tonight, basically, because I'm getting on a freaking bus tomorrow. If if you don't, <laughs> if you so can't like an ultimatum to San Francisco. I was just like, yeah, it was just like it was. I was I wasn't even in San Francisco. I was in New Mexico, and I was like, oh, right, I could right. go to San Francisco and find out what's you know figure out myself, right? Or I can stay here and figure out myself basically through this, right? Like with you. Um, you got but one night to decide. This, I had met this person and they just sort of, well, I mean, they had more than one night to decide, but it was, it was definitely like leading up to it. And then I wrote about five songs in those two weeks and wow. they were all just, they were all just songs that no matter how old I get, I can still go back to because they're just they're just like levels of self-discovery, right? It's like the like, you know, it's like, I'm here, I'm ready. I had a woman sit down with me, my friend Elizabeth, and she gave me that line in a real conversation the night before I wrote it. Like, I was saying, I really like this person, but I'm dating this person, but now I'm all confused because I don't understand myself and who I am and who am I? And I was like 28, so it made sense. But I was like, <laughs> I don't know. And she said, you always have the right to change your mind. So 100%. follow your heart. And if it doesn't work, go in a different direction. But don't, but don't also be like, like, don't also be quiet about it because you don't want any, you don't want any what ifs. If you leave the state and go do this other thing, like you don't want any what ifs. So you have to be clear that mm. this is a choice that you're giving someone. And so like, I actually called like, I didn't really give them the song. I wrote it about the scenario, but I called the person and I was like, look, I like you, you're amazing. You're like anything, like nothing I've ever experienced in my life. Like I need more of this experience. And if it's not gonna be with you, I'm jumping on a train to go find it somewhere else. So 
like here or not here. <laughs> you know, like <laughs> we're either going to do this or I'm going to do the same thing, but I'm going to just go have to find someone else to do this with, you know? <laughs> and so then I ended up in San Francisco and oddly enough, that person ended up dating one of my best friends. And that best friend is the reason I'm even house sitting the house I'm sitting in today. Well, there you go. Comes all back to itself. Like isn't it? that's how connected it still is to my, yeah, that's how connected it is to my life. Um, but then I also write like country song. So a recent country song I wrote that I'd love to share is I don't, I didn't finish this one either. I started it in a car and it's still sort of like hanging, you know, it's not really done, but it, I was driving back to New Mexico, which is another common theme of my life. I'm moving back to New Mexico soon. It's in a lot of my songs. Um, and it's, uh, I stopped at the 7-Eleven on the Texas 707, just outside of Abilene. I had 200 miles to go to the border of New Mexico. I was sipping on my coffee and living the dream. They say, mama, don't let your babies grow up to be cowboys. And I'm sure she never saw me that way. Oh, but my mom, she was an urban kind of outlaw. And I've been following her footsteps this whole way. And I'm on my way. I'm on my way to that hot desert, that harsh lover, that big old sky on that deep red clay. And, and then it just goes on about Texas for a little while. But it's very, it's a, I like that. It's a very evocative um, like same... scene there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can get the sort of um, country you know, and, west and... vibe there. Absolutely. Yeah, so so I do sing, but my my love lately has been rap. So that's where I'm that's where I'm heading with this. And I wrote a bunch of raps about presence when when presence manifests manifested, okay. and I have that on my clapper too. Um, clapper's really the only place I've actually shared a lot of these things. Uh, maybe Facebook, um, but this one is my favorite favorite because it's about truth. And right, okay. I won't, I, I, I kind of want to do the whole thing, but it's kind of long. I don't know how much time we have left. It's your um, show. Go for it. I'm trying to think if I, if I could just do the middle of it. This is really exciting too. Thank you so much. This is like super fun. Um, all right. So anyway, this song basically, like, I almost feel like I had, I mean, I had a lot of part in it. But I was driving and I was in New Mexico again. New Mexico has a lot to do with like my creativity. So I'm driving and I'm in New Mexico. And all of a sudden this line just pops out of my head. And the line is, you stepped on my throat. You thought I wasn't a lion. So I devoured your ass and now you're sitting there crying because I defended myself against your outright attack. Maybe next time you'll think twice and stay the fuck back. I got an army of angels and I'm flanked by my pride. I got a rogue wolf in the back and love on my side. This is a race you can't win with division and hate. I've already won and you're still back at the gate because what you're packing is so heavy and it's holding you down. But I'm as light as light and sacred as sound. Mind open to the cosmos, feet on the ground because I know that there is power in aligning with source. My second ride is a macabre. You've a cart with no horse. I'll keep keeping my course. I hope you keep this advice. I'll put your bloody boot up on my mantle if you need to think thrice. I'm not an army of one. And we won't quit till we're done. To all the hates on the run. I must admit, this is fun because I like 
bringing death to your illusion. I like shining light through your confusion. You generalize me, size me up with your eyes. You missed half the attack and then you acted surprised as you fell on your back and looked up at the sky and cried, why? How did I get here? You got here through hate and fear. You got here by playing it small. You got here by thinking you knew that you knew it all. But you missed the cliff of the fall. And now that you're down on your knees, you're seeing up through it all clearly. But that's the beauty of perception shifting. It's the beauty of the veil as it's lifting. It's the beauty of hindsight. You get to play it again and again and again till you get it right. Apply it to your next fight, but not this one. I'm not an army of one, and we won't quit till we're done. To all the hates on the run, I must admit this is fun, and I've been sitting where you're sitting. I, too, thought I was a victim. I could not see my way out of the system. I fought truth, but she fights back. She's got a one-two punch and a wicked attack. I fell flat on my ass. Everything faded to black, but when I woke... See, I woke for reals, and I just can't explain to you how that feels. You have to walk the walk and talk the talk. You have to live to die and die to live freely. So believe me, what I'm saying is true. The only way out is through. We have so much love for you. There's nothing left for you to do. You tempted truth twice, and we can't let it slide. I'm going to have to knock you out, and we'll see you on the other side. We'll see you on the other side. You stepped on my throat, you thought I wasn't a lion. And we'll see you on the other side. You thought I wasn't a lion? We'll see you on the other side. Because I'm a lion. Whoa. <laughs> okay, if, if listeners aren't like, you know, clapping and cheering and doing all this kind of thing, <laughs> you probably need to listen to that again. And that came from one line. One line you in the car. The, that was came from, the first few words, and that was it. You stepped on my throat. Whoa. And that was yeah. it. Yeah. Like, you stepped on my throat. You thought I wasn't a lion. And I was like, why did I even, like, it made no sense. And, and everyone I sang it to for the next, like, three days while I wrote the whole song, I got up every day and I just, that's all I did. I got up every day and I just kept doing whatever I remembered and adding a line, doing whatever I remembered and adding a line. And it wasn't until the end of the song that it even made sense. Like, I was like, what? You know, but it, it was like, who, like, who did this to you, Joey? Like, who, who did this? Who tried to, and I was like, and I sat there and I still really just think it's, it's just about a lifetime of self-expression. Like, it's just like, whoever thought that they could take the truth out of my story is just mistaken. And my mom, and I think the three times comes back to my mother because my mother taught me the best lesson in life, which is you always give somebody a second chance. Right. Like always. Like my mother always gives somebody a second chance, right? But my mother also gave a second chance with two consequences. Mm hmm. And that was the trick to her keeping me and everyone else in her life, I think, in line for the for their whole life, right? Because what she would do is she would say, okay, first mistake, you didn't know, right? Like, you didn't know. Happen. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let you, yeah, it could happen. You had no information. You didn't understand what was going on. So, like, well, we're going to forgive that one, you know? Okay, so now that you know, right, like, let me explain to you. If you do this again, this is what's going to happen, right? And so she would, but she would give a consequence that was like harsh, but not deadly, right? Right. Like a doable consequence. And then she'd say, and you only really have, you know, if you are to do it, this is what's going to happen. And you know what? I'm your mother. So even if you did it again, I would probably forgive you. Because she would assume that I was going to do it again, right? Like she would know, right? Like I'm a kid. I'm going to probably do it again. So she would say, and if you did it again, I'd probably forgive you. Almost begging me, right, to do it again. Go and me. then she would say, but if you do it a third time, she would tell me on the first time, if you do it a third time, this is the dire consequence that's going to happen, right? 
and inevitably, I would mess up and do it the second time. And that first consequence would be, boom, right? And she instilled this truth that if that first consequence came as fast as it it was said to do, you know, like that third consequence was was real and true as well. And so I never did anything a third time, right? So I think the I think the part of the song where it's like you stepped, you know, you stepped to truth twice and we can't let it slide, you know? So we're gonna have to knock you out and we'll see you on the other side, right? It's like I really in the song you only really have two times before you get knocked out, right? It's like you have two times, you get knocked out, and then you see the truth, right? It's like, because you don't really want to go to that third time. <laughs> like, and I think even in my life, I've seen that if you, if you try to go against truth, the truth of anything, the truth of a relationship, the truth of, the truth of anything, it's usually on the, th the third time that there's like irreparable damage, right? Yeah. But the second time, you get the lesson, right? The first time, you don't know. The second time, you really have a chance to get the lesson. And, yeah. and hopefully, you have somebody on your side that when you're walking towards that third time, they knock you out and give you some, <laughs> well, the, some the, reality, right? Indeed, the, the, the whole reasoning <laughs> is that it comes from a place, I think, of um, integrity and just decide to step into, you know, the coaching space a little bit a second um i guess what you're, what you're talking about is the idea that you can experience something three times and we look we always make mistakes you know we we do tend to do them more often than we, want. we fuck up more often than we want to first time as you said yeah we could be um simply practicing like we're always doing you know not be fully aware of i don't know the way to do it and that kind of thing with that um, experience and knowledge in us then if it's done a second time then I guess that's where we go okay that's an opportunity as you said it's a chance to go okay what questions can I ask about what's going on am I repeating what I did the first time am I taking liberties with this new opportunity or chance and if it's a third time then that's where we could be kidding ourselves. like if it's a repeated action or behavior which is okay because we always do that, but then th those are always the chances and opportunities for us yeah. to go, what's actually going on here? So it could be simple things like, you know, I've seen the phrase self-sabotage used a lot in spaces where like, it's the reason or excuse given that why you're not achieving something. Oh, because I self-sabotaged. Or you could view it as like, well, do I actually want the thing that I say I'm saying I want to? You know, a common example is like, you know, losing weight or going to the gym. Do I want, do I really want that? Or am I just saying it because everybody else seems to be doing it or someone close to me said so. So it's always, I think, an opportunity. But the third time we do it, it's like, well, if somebody else were to do that, for example, like, you know, breach our boundaries, you know, at the moment we've got things in us like pre preset patterns, like people pleasing, perfectionism, you know, we're always told as the virtue to put other people first, all this kind of thing. But the more we do that, we feel that like, okay, maybe some people are taking liberties or other people aren't thinking like we do. But then we just keep quiet about it. We don't say anything. It's not the nice thing to do. It's not polite. We bite our tongue until eventually we burst out in rage because we can't keep the anger held in any longer or annoyance or whatever emotion that you think is unacceptable out loud. But when we say, actually, mm -hmm. as, you know, as you so well put it in your rhyme, that like, look, third time I'm going to have to knock you out and, you know, see you on the other side it's about to me then that's that's essentially another interpretation of boundaries boundaries are hard to first set to communicate so that people are aware of like look this is a boundary here and then actually defend them not to go here's my boundary mm -hmm. and people go yeah 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 fuck that um because they'll, they'll then carry on the what they expect from you previously and when you don't reply with that then they get confused going uh what's going on because now their needs aren't being met through you so I know a bit of a diversion there, but I think look, the, 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 that's the idea that came through. In no, the, in the, in no, the I think that's great. And I think that, and I, I think that on the, on the, on the, the level of the song at first, like that's what I was trying to answer for people. Like I was like, I don't understand. Cause I didn't understand why I wrote it. Right. And people would say, right. who did that to you? Who tried to step on your, <laughs> step on your throat? And I was like, well, it's not really, but, but it has been right. Like when I look back at my life, I'm like, oh yeah, there's been at least more, you know, 
more than one occasion where people really try to to actively from an external um, standpoint squish my truth right and I have to actually fight for it mm-hmm. so there's like that superficial that superficial but yet deep level but then I think that there's something I, I still don't understand about it right like I think like on like a whole of humanity right like I feel like I'm I feel like I'm talking for truth right and so what were the other two times in mm-hmm. in say humanity that truth really showed up and we didn't listen right and and maybe <laughs> and maybe it's just getting a little bit stronger tactic now like it's like hey truth is like sorry like and then also I was like well what about you know, we're going to have to knock you out and see you on the other side, right? So it's like, we're going to have to put you basically into your subconscious, right? To bring you to the other side, right? It's like, we gave you the conscious choice. You didn't do it. <laughs> right? Well, he's not, so, he's, he's more so severe So let's go into the dark. You, like, let's, yeah, let's knock you out, right? And then like, you're going to wake up new. Like you're going to wake up into truth, right? Because we're going to like, we're going to kind of go into that. So there's like all these things that I'm still trying to like uncode from it too. So it's really interesting to me to hear like what other people think about it. Like if they think, oh, it's about me and it's my truth or am I speaking for truth and who's my army and who's the rogue wolf? Like, yeah. I don't know. I got a rogue wolf on my side, right? Like I got a rogue wolf in my, you know, I'm like, who are like, I don't even know really who all the pieces in this story are. Like, who's the rogue wolf? I know I come with an army. You know, I feel like I've been accumulating them in the coaching space and in the present space and in the transformation space and in the shadow space. Like, I feel like, like I, I wrote this three, almost three years ago now. And it's, it's been three years in sort of like that turning into my reality. Right. So my writing lately has been more premonition. It's like I write and then it happens instead of right. it happened. And so I write about it. Right. Which is also a, a different alignment with presence. So that's all, you know, that that goes into that. And I can go off on tangents on that, too. But anyway, this was so great. I had I'm so glad just for the people watching. I was supposed to do this yesterday and I completely at least and thought it was the 25th and it was supposed to be the 21st and the first thing I said before we started recording was I'm so glad I missed it because I didn't overthink it like if I knew that this conversation was happening yesterday this wouldn't have been the conversation that we had because I would have been like what am I gonna say did I look for a playlist oh my god today I had an hour and a half to do about 10 chores that I put off yesterday and sit at a a phone (laughs) and so it really has been just like I didn't realize how excited I was to to talk about songs and music and meaning and life and death and shadows and I can I could talk to you for for so many more hours and and since you hear the music behind it, you asked me earlier, no, I don't. I don't have a band. I've never had music put to any of my songs wow. except one. And I haven't put uh, music to one of my songs. And every time I sing them, I'm just like waiting for somebody to just be like, I heard this music behind it. Can we put it together? <laughs> because all of my lyrics have actually no music. And besides one or two songs in a lifetime of writing, I have very rarely ever heard my words over music. And it makes me look, I'm going to cry. Like it makes me so excited and so sad at the same time. (laughs) Well. Because they are my life and they don't have any music. (laughs) I might be able to help you there. Now, if that's not a cliffhanger to end the episode, I don't know. But, um, Joey, thank you so much for being a guest on the show. And in in remark to what you just said now about this is meant to be... So this is Tuesday afternoon when we're recording this. It's meant to be a Monday night. It's more to keep in the schedule that I've got. To be honest, it doesn't matter. We've caught the time. We've got this in the can now. Um... 
but to go back on the point about you know you thinking okay what am i going to talk about have i got a playlist ready on just being corner structured that's half the point of the show there is no structure yes you know uh before i start the recording on this we just have a quick you know minute um set up just to see what's going to go on but i say look i have prompts to push the conversation along if we need to but i'm not going to sit there like a exam or an interview going question one question two it's more about okay if you've got stories thoughts ideas expressions whatever you want to share about music and your life that's exactly what it's for so i'm really glad that you made the the use of this platform to share all your wonderful stories and your profound abilities uh you know and thank you so much for sharing your singing your rapping your thoughts your spoken word um i know that the people watching and listening to this are going to be um thrilled by the episode and probably want more so here's another return guest that i'm sure to have back on the show soon uh joey thank you once again for being a guest on soundtrack of your life So that was the brilliant Joey Costa. I'm sure you'll agree it was a brilliant hour to listen or watch. If you want to find out more about Joey, you can reach out to her and find her stuff on her website, which is given in the description or the links below. And also there you will find her soundtrack that she's kindly shared with us to get you inspired with some music or tracks that mean a lot to her in her life. Now, if you want to be a guest on the show, Feel free to sign up using the link again in the description or links wherever you're watching or listening to this. And if you want to catch previous episodes, you can do on my channel on YouTube, Inner Peace Walker TV, and on all major podcast platforms. Till the next show, feel supersonic. Thank you so much for checking out this episode of Soundtrack of Your Life. Please do like and comment with your thoughts below. Subscribe to the channel and sign up to be on the show. Feel supersonic.